We now start with questions, Prime Minister. Steve McCabe. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, sir. Minister. Mr Speaker, I know that members across the House will want to join me in offering our best wishes to Rangers for this evening's match in Seville. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition uh, to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Steve McCabe. The latest State of Ageing report reveals, Mr Speaker, that last year in this country, 9,000 people over the age of 60 died because their homes were too cold. Will the Prime Minister give a guarantee that figure will be lower and not higher this time next year? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I think everybody uh, has every sympathy with people who are facing uh, difficulties with the cost of heating, and that is why uh, the Government has stepped up with an extra £9.1 billion, in addition to what we are doing with the the cold weather payments and the the warm homes allowance, Mr Speaker, and we will continue uh, to support people uh, throughout uh, the aftershocks of Covid, just as we did uh, throughout the pandemic. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Figures released from the Department of Education show that last year, once again, Lib Dem-run Sutton Council became the highest rejecter of children applying for education, health and care assessments in the country. Over nearly half of children were rejected, compared to the national average of just 23%. Can the Prime Minister outline how the SEND review will help children and their families of SEN get access to the education that they deserve? Yes, indeed. I thank him very much for his, uh, his campaign, and he is completely uh, right, Mr Speaker. That's why we have an SEND Ascend uh, review, and uh, we will ensure that uh, SEND children and young people can get access to the right support uh, at the right place and the right time across the country. We now come to the Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, I too send my best wishes to Rangers. It's quite an extraordinary story, actually, over the last few years for that football club. Mr Speaker, a one-off tax on huge oil and tax profits would raise billions of pounds, cutting energy bills across the country. The Chancellor rightly says there are two camps on this. You're either for it or you're against it. Uh, But which camp does the Chancellor put himself in? He says, uh, neither. (laughs) Well, I'm in favour of it. The question for the Prime Minister is, is he for it, is he against it, or is he sitting on the fence like his Chancellor? Prime Minister. Uh, Well, uh, Mr Speaker, I I think... Uh, I just remind the House that the Right Honourable Gentleman struggled uh, to define what a woman was. If he couldn't make up his mind on that point, uh, Mr Speaker, uh, heaven help us. Uh, but uh, look, uh, this, this government is not in principle in favour of higher taxation. Uh, of course not. Uh, but what, what we want to do... What, they don't want to put. They, of course, they want. They love it. They love it, Mr. Speaker. They love putting up taxes. All this was. Labour me out. Labour puts up taxes. Tax me out. Labour put up taxes. What we what we want to do, what we want to do is take a sensible approach, governed by the impact on investment and jobs. 
Mr Speaker. And that is the, the test of a strong economy. And it's by having a strong economy that we'll be able to look after people as we have done during COVID and as we will do in the aftershocks of COVID. And I'm proud to say, Mr Speaker, that this week it was revealed that unemployment has come down to the lowest level since 1974. I was 10 years old, Mr Speaker. I don't know how old he was, but I was 10 years old. Yes, Mr Speaker, hang on. Last week he said, we'll have a look at it. Yesterday he voted against it. Anyone picking up the papers today would think they're for it, and now he says he's against it again. <laughs> Clear as mud. <laughs> to, to, be fair, to, be fair, to be fair, it's not like the rest of his cabinet know what they think either. The same day the Chancellor said it was something he was looking at, the Justice Secretary said it would be disastrous. The Business Secretary called it a bad idea, but also said he'd consider a Spanish-style windfall tax. One minute they're ruling it in, the next they're ruling it out. When will he stop the hokey-cokey and just-back Labour's plan for a windfall tax to cut household bills? Mr Speaker, the Labour's plans are always and everywhere to raise taxes on business. And that's, that's, what, that's what they did. I remember, them campaign, I remember him campaigning in 2019, Mr Speaker, on the biggest taxes for business that this country has ever seen. That's, that, that's their instinct. Now, look, oh, this, 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 this country and the, and the world faces uh, problems in the cost of energy, driven partly by COVID and partly by Putin's war of choice in Ukraine. And we know, we always knew that there would be a, a short-term cost in uh, weaning ourselves off Putin's hydrocarbons and in sanctioning the Russian economy. Everybody in this House voted for those sanctions. We knew, we knew that it would be tough. But I just want to tell the right honourable gentleman that giving in, giving in, not sticking the course, would ultimately be the far greater economic risk. Uh, uh, yes, 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 of course, of course, Mr. Speaker, we will look, uh, we will look at measures, uh, we will look at all the measures that we need to take, uh, Mr. Speaker, to get people through to the other side. But, Mr. Speaker, the only reason we can do that is because we took the tough decisions that were necessary during the pandemic, which would not have been possible if we'd listened to him. Here's Starmer. He just doesn't get it, does he? He, he doesn't actually understand what working families are going through in this country, struggling about how they're going to pay their bills. And whilst he dithers, British households are slapped with an extra £53 million on their energy bills every single day. Meanwhile, every single day, North Sea oil and gas giants rake in £32 million in unexpected profits. Doesn't he see that every single day he delays his inevitable U-turn? He's going to do it. He's choosing to let people struggle when they don't need to. Mr. Mr. Speaker, he's, he says that uh, this government uh, has no sympathy uh, for people who are struggling and working. Let me, t let me tell you, it is precisely... It is, well, let me tell you what we're already doing. Uh, we're, not, we're already spending £22 billion. 
Uh, we're already helping people with the cost of living uh, in any way that we can, Mr. Speaker. But the reason we, the reason we can do that is because we took the tough decisions to get this country uh, through COVID, uh, to make sure that we came out of lockdown in the way that was necessary, and to have a strong economy uh, with robust uh, with robust employment growth, Mr. Speaker. And we we will continue to take. And he talks about cutting taxes in July. We will have the biggest tax cut uh, for 10 years, £330 cuts for, for 30, on average for 30 million people who are paying national insurance contributions. And the reason we can do that, Mr Speaker, is because we have a strong and robust economy. I'm going to look at all measures in future to support uh, our people. Of course, uh, of course I am. But the only reason we can do that, the only reason our companies are in such robust health is because of the decisions that this government has taken. Mr Speaker, still pretending the economy is booming, still got his head in the sand in the middle of an economic crisis. The Prime Minister keeps saying more help is coming, but we've heard it all before. May the 13th, he stood there and said we will do more right now. A week has passed and there's been nothing. On April 19th, he stood there and said, we will do more as soon as we can. A month has passed, and still nothing. The Chancellor said, wait until the autumn. At least he's honest that the plan is to do nothing. But doesn't the Prime Minister realise that working people across the country can't afford to wait while he vacillates? It's time to make his mind up. I'll tell you what's happened uh, uh, in the last month. Uh, we've got 300,000 more people off welfare and into work on our, on our, on our, on our way to work programme, Mr Speaker. And, and it is, and it is uh, because we get people into work that those families, those people are £6,000 a year better off. It's by getting people into work that we fix the long-term problems of this economy. His answer, Mr Speaker, his answer, in addition to putting up taxes, his answer is to borrow more. We heard it from the Shadow Chancellor this morning. She said she wants to borrow another th- almost another thirty billion pounds. That's what she says. Now, do you know what that means, Mr. Speaker? It means more pressure on interest rates. It means pressure on mortgages. It means pressure on every every family, every man, woman, and child in this country, Mr. Speaker. That's that's Labour economic policy. That is why there's never been a Labour government that left office with unemployment lower than when it came in. And that's the reality. Mr Speaker, on the day when inflation went to 9%, the highest for 40 years, I think the watching public, the least they can expect is a Prime Minister who concentrates on the cost of living crisis. Clearly he just can't make his mind up. So let's have a look at who's for it and who's against it. On one side, the Chair of Tesco, the Chair of John Lewis, the Chair of the Treasury Select Committee, the Chair of the Education Select Committee, Lord Hague. Lord Brown, the old CEO of BP, all support a windfall tax. Even the current boss of BP says it wouldn't discourage investment. And on the other side, the member for North East Somerset. When he's not not sticking notes on people's desks like some overgrown prefect, (laughs) is dead set against it. When is he finally going to get a grip Stand up for the people of Britain and get on the right side of the argument. Nothing could be more transparent uh, from this exchange than their lust to raise taxes on business. Uh, Mr Speaker, we don't, we don't relish it. We don't 
want to do it. We don't want to do it. Of course we don't want to do it. We believe in jobs and we believe in investment and we believe in, in growth. And as it happens, the oil, companies, the oil companies concerned are on track to invest about £70 billion pounds, uh, into our economy over the next few years. They're already taxed, Mr Speaker, at a rate of, uh, of 40%. Uh, Mr. Speaker, what we want to see... What we want to see is investment in the long-term energy provision of our country, which, which they've signally failed to do, by the way, cancelling our nuclear power investment. He talks about the, the people who are suffering from high energy prices in this country today, Mr Speaker, have previous Labour governments to blame for that mistake. And of course, of course we will look at all sensible measures, Mr Speaker, but we will be driven by considerations of growth, investment and employment. And I just remind you, Mr Speaker, that unemployment's now hit a record low, or for 50 years, I should say, and employment is now, I think, half a million people more now in paid employment, uh, payroll employment, than there were before the pandemic began. So he's on the side of excess profits for oil and gas companies. We're on the side of working people, and there you have it. But he clearly doesn't like me pushing him on this. But the reason I keep coming back to this subject and why it's so frustrating that he hasn't acted is because so many people are living through this nightmare and they feel totally abandoned by their government. This week, I spoke to Phoenix Halliwell. A rare kidney condition means Phoenix has to do dialysis from home 10pm to 7am, five days a week, just so he can take his daughter Rosie to school. His dialysis is life-saving, so he can't turn it off. So even though his wife, who's a midwife in the NHS, works extra shifts, during the winter they had to turn their central heating off and Phoenix skips meals to make ends meet. But their energy bill has still doubled. Phoenix says he feels like he's being priced out of existence. And it's not just him. Millions of our disabled, elderly and vulnerable neighbours are at the sharp end of this crisis. They simply can't afford to live with dignity. The decisions we make here matter. The cost of indecision is enormous. People across the country need action now. The plans are already there. The Prime Minister, stop the delay. Work with us to put them in place. Do it for households that face bills they can't afford. And do it for Phoenix, who simply can't afford to wait. Uh, Mr Speaker, I'd be grateful if you could send me the details of of, of the sad case, because the NHS NHS, NHS NHS does cover the costs of those who are on uh, dialysis, Mr Speaker. But if you send me, I'd be, uh, and by the way, of course, they voted against the vital investment uh, in the NHS uh, that, that that, that this country needs. And I just, remind, I just remind him in the House of, the, of the, key, the key point. None of this is possible. The investment in the NHS is impossible. The $22 billion uh, that we've already put in is impossible. The further investment that we're going to put in is impossible without the strong economy that this, that this government and this country has delivered. 
and it's because we took the tough decisions that I have uh, mentioned uh, that we have record low unemployment. Um, it's been record low for the last 50 years, Mr. Speaker. And, we are, and this Queen's speech that we've been debating is about putting in the, the infrastructure, the skills, the technology that will build the, continue to build the platform for growth and jobs in this country. And that is what this government is committed to, to doing, and that is the best way out of economic problems. And I, I thought it was fantastic, by the way, yesterday to see Her Majesty the Queen open uh, Crossrail. Uh, abs- uh, 72,000 jobs that has already delivered, 90 billion it will produce for the whole of the UK economy. Well, well, let me just ask the Right Honourable Gentleman, who was the Mayor of London uh, when Crossrail uh, was first, uh, first started to be built, Mr Speaker? And who was the Prime Minister who completed it, uh, Mr Speaker? We get the big things done, Mr Speaker. There's never been a Labour government that left office with unemployment lower than when they began. Mr Speaker, um, as the Prime Minister knows, thanks for visiting us in Leyland a couple of weeks ago, as he knows knocking on doors there, crime and antisocial behaviour is a big issue for people locally. And part of that problem is that the local police, when response calls are required, are coming, having to come in from Preston or the lovely Chorley. Now Lancashire has got 314 more police, thanks to this government. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that we need to use some of those to get Leyland police response open? And will he work with me, the fabulous local police and the Police and Crime Commissioner, to make that happen? Minister. Uh, Well, I I thank uh, my honourable friend. She's a terrific campaigner, fantastic campaigner uh, for her constituency I discovered just uh, just the other day. Uh, And uh, what we're doing is recruiting more uh, police officers. Uh, 300 more in uh, Lancashire, 13,576 more across the whole of the uh, across the whole of the country, and uh, of course. Uh, I'd be very happy to arrange uh, the relevant uh, meeting so that we can continue uh, to drive neighbourhood crime already down 33%, drive neighbourhood crime down even further. Leader of the SNP, Ian Blackfoot. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm sure the whole House will want to join me in wishing Glasgow Rangers Football Club all the best in the final tonight in Seville. It's always a joy to see Scottish clubs get to the finals of European competition. Mr Speaker, People didn't need to see this morning's official statistics to know that we're experiencing the highest inflation in 40 years. They know it because they're living with it. Families can't afford food. They can't pay their bills. And we're only at the beginning. And as always under the Tories, the poorest are punished the most. For months, people have been crying out for support. But month after month, a distracted Downing Street has failed to lift a finger to help. Does the Prime Minister still support his Chancellor's insulting statement that acting now in this cost of living emergency would just be silly? Shame. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I support the Chancellor's work in, in uh, lifting the living wage by a record amount, Mr Speaker, uh, by, by making sure people on universal credit uh, pay £1,000 less in tax, uh, by making sure that we're, by, by putting another £22 billion into supporting people with the cost of living, £9.1 billion already on the, to help people with the cost of energy, and above all, I support what he has done to deliver a strong economic foundation which makes all that possible. Mr. Speaker. My goodness, talk about an Aesop's fable. 
Every day this Prime Minister remains out of touch. People remain out of pocket. And by the way, Prime Minister, £20 a week was taken out of people's universal You know, the Prime Minister has just confirmed he does think it would be silly to intervene. Because the Tories' only response to this cost of living crisis has been insults and inaction. The Tory backbencher who thinks people, poor people, just need cooking lessons. The Tory minister who thinks that people should just get a better paid job. And the Chancellor, the Chancellor who thinks it would be silly to act now. This is the cost of living crisis from Westminster. For weeks, the Prime Minister has been briefing that it's the Treasury who are to blame for blocking financial support for struggling families. Well, Prime Minister, it's time to stop sniping from the sidelines. If this Chancellor won't deliver an emergency budget, it's time for the Prime Minister to sack the Treasury, to sack the Chancellor, and to put somebody else in office that will act. Prime Minister. Uh, look, Mr. Speaker, uh, I, I, I think that the, the, the right honourable gentleman uh, should, uh, should understand that. Uh, I want to get back to the, the crucial point. We've been through COVID. Uh, we're facing a spike in global energy prices, uh, which has been greatly exacerbated by what Putin is doing in Ukraine. But to, 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 to deal with it, of course, what we're doing is putting billions and billions already, 9.1 billion, into supporting people with the cost uh, of energy cut fuel duty uh, by record sums, Mr Speaker, helping elderly people uh, in all sorts of ways, not least uh, through local councils with another £1 billion. But of course, Mr Speaker, uh, everybody in the, in the country knows uh, that we're not through this yet, and everybody can, can see that, and they all know that the government is going to do more. But they also know the only reason we can do that is because we have a strong economy with massively high employment, and that is the crucial thing. And it would not have been possible if we'd listened uh, to the members opposite. Absolutely. Dr Luke Evans. The Prime Minister will be aware of my campaign to have digitally altered images carry a label. Last week was Mental Health Awareness Week and there are 1.25 million people with eating disorders and 1 million people using steroids. Now, 84 members of this House from seven parties signed my open letter to companies to pledge not to alter their images in their adverts. Will the Prime Minister support that pledge? And for those who aren't taking that pledge, will he vow to make sure that we consider labelling digitally altered images where body proportions are affected? Minister. Look, I thank my honourable friend for his fantastic campaign, and uh, he and I have uh, have talked about it at, at length. And I do think there is a, a, clearly a risk to, to mental health as young people have uh, uh, given unrealistic expectations about how they should look because of, of the stuff that they see. I think the kite mark suggestion that he has brought forward is extremely useful, and I'll make sure that we follow it up as part of our mental health plan. Ed Davy. Can I join other new fans of Rangers uh, and, and, and wish them good luck in Seville tonight? Mr Speaker, British farmers are the best in the world. They could pay a big part of, in the answer of how families and pensioners put food on the table during the cost of living emergency. But from Caithness to Cumbria, from Shropshire to Devon, Farmers' own input costs are spiralling upwards. Animal feed up 60%, Mr Speaker. Fertiliser prices more than doubled. Yet instead of helping 
Britain's own food producers, the government is slashing the support uh, payments that farmers rely on, sometimes for up to 50% of their income, even before a new scheme is in place. So will the Prime Minister meet with farming leaders and myself to understand the extreme challenges they are facing so our farmers can do their bit to help families and pensioners afford to put food on the table during this economic crisis? I, I thank the right honourable gentleman. I, I can tell him uh, that uh, yes, I, perf- I, I, I do, I do recognise the challenges that uh, farmers are, paying, are facing with the costs of their uh, their inputs uh, in fuel and in in fertiliser, and that's why we're working so hard to uh, to abate those costs. Uh, but what we've also got to what we've also got to do, and not just cutting duty, but all, uh, everything else that, that we can do to ensure uh, that we fix the energy uh, crisis. But what, what we are also doing, Mr. Speaker, is championing uh, UK food and farming. Uh, which has fantastic export markets uh, around the world and now has 73 trade deals uh, to exploit uh, in a world avid, avid, uh, as he rightly says, for delicious, for delicious, uh, wholesome, nutritious uh, UK food and drink. Uh, and I'd be very happy to organise uh, the relevant meeting uh, with the Right Honourable Gentleman. Julie Marston. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Would my right honourable friend join me in thanking my constituents in Hartford and Stortford who are offering help and refuge to Ukrainians suffering from and fleeing the Russian invasion? And can he set out how his visit to Sweden and Finland ensured closer cooperation with our allies to secure the long-term stability and security of Europe, as my constituents are rightly concerned about ongoing Russian aggression? Uh, I, I thank her very much. I want to thank her constituents very much for what, what they're doing uh, to help uh, Ukrainians uh, fleeing war and, ag- and aggression. And I, and I know that members up and down the, uh, the country uh, have constituents who are being incredibly uh, generous. I think we can all be proud of the UK's uh, efforts. Yes, Mr Speaker, it's true that uh, the UK signed historic declarations uh, the other day with Sweden and Finland to reinforce our security, our mutual security, and to fortify Europe's uh, defences. And I think it has been a massive step change in our cooperation, uh, a thoroughly good thing. And it has been driven, uh, Mr Speaker, in the cases of both Sweden and Finland uh, by the people themselves who see the logic of NATO membership. Mr Brandeshaw. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Home Office, Health and others now regularly take six months to respond to letters to ministers. Immigration cases wait years to hear anything at all. But instead of putting resources into fixing this unacceptable problem, the Prime Minister is choosing to fire thousands of civil servants. And his ministers wander around Whitehall putting post-it notes on desks he thinks looks too empty. Will the Prime Minister personally look into this issue and instruct his ministers and civil servants to give our constituents the attention they deserve. Prime Minister. I thank him very much, but I have to say that, Mr Speaker, I must respectfully disagree with the implication that uh, for the civil service that working from home is everywhere as productive as, uh, as being in the office and, uh, and returning. And I, I, I simply uh, don't accept that. 
uh, I do think that I do think that we will become more productive uh, and more efficient uh, if, uh, on the whole, uh, we find ways to get back uh, to our desks. Richard Holden. Uh, thank you very much indeed, Mr. Speaker. Uh, following my campaign. Whittenley Weir Primary School is now being granted 350 grand for improvement works by Durham County Council. The only time that this has happened is now, after Labour lost control of the council, the first time in over 100 years last year. Villareal School, Ledgate Primary School and Concert uh, Juniors in North West Durham are also going to be applying for the Condition Improvement Fund. So uh, can I uh, urge my honourable friend to ensure that those cases are taken as seriously as possible? But would my right honourable friend more broadly agree with me that education is a cornerstone of levelling up and ensuring more good jobs are available locally in County Durham too? So there's more than just a place to bring friends for a social evening of beer and takeaway curry and an even better place to live, work and bring up a family. Sorry, sorry Prime Minister, just, just, I've got a real problem. Some people aren't going to get in. Have we seen the time now? And we're only on question 60. I wanted everybody to help each other. So we could speed up, we might get a few more in. Prime Minister. Uh, well, I just want to, I just want to thank my uh, honourable friend, who is a massive champion for, uh, for, for his constituency for North West uh, Durham, and, uh, and, I, and I'm delighted that he's been a, a supporter of County Durham's bid uh, for City of Culture, uh, culture in its widest, uh, widest interpretation, uh, and uh, I support him uh, in everything he does. I'm sure the Prime Minister knows that this is Dementia Awareness Week, and I'm proud that the Dementia Research Institute now calls Wales home. In 2019, the Tory manifesto promised to double funding for dementia research, but the researchers are still waiting for this money. So, can the Prime Minister tell me, in this D- Dementia Action Week, when the dementia moonshot will be delivered? Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, we, we intend fully to deliver the dementia moonshot, but uh, never, never forget, Mr Speaker, that this was the party uh, that voted against £13 billion a year extra uh, for the NHS. Mr Speaker, I know that I'm not alone in dealing with many constituents facing delays to renewing their passports and driving licences. In Goodling there have been cases of family reunions in jeopardy and drivers nearly having job offers withdrawn because of delays to renewals. Can my right honourable friend assure me that everything is being done that is possible to be done in government to address this problem so we can get the good folk of Goodling uh, back on the road and away for their holidays? Uh, well, uh, Mr. Speaker, I'm told that the, uh, the driving licences are now being issued uh, faster than they were. Uh, there are no, de- I am told, in, no delays in successful uh, online driving licence applications, and the customers should receive their licence within a few days. Now, if I'm misinformed about that, Mr. Speaker, I, I trust my uh, my honourable friend will will will, will, uh, will let me know. Alex Sobel. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Prime Minister, food prices are going up, rents are going up, energy costs are going up. Every day I've got more and more constituents coming to me to say, say they thought the day would never come. Things just cost too much. Um, at the same time, people are anchored to the minimum wage, working two, three, four, five jobs on low wages, within work benefits. They just can't afford it. At the same time, we have the Minister, the, the, the Honourable Lady Member for Edget, saying to survive they should take on more hours or get a better job. Does the Prime Minister agree with his Minister, or does he agree with me that we should have an emergency budget? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, what, 
Uh, what, I, and I accept that. I accept that. Of course, uh, there are economic pressures on our country now, caused by uh, the factors that we mentioned. But that's why we've already uh, increased the living wage by a thousand pounds per year for uh, for those who are on it. Already increased a universal credit by a thousand pounds a year. All the other uh, all the other measures, billions and billions of, of tax that we're putting into supporting uh, incomes, Mr. Speaker. But the reason we can do that is because we have strong economic fundamentals with, with unemployment. I don't know when he was born, Mr. Speaker, but it's the, unemployment is the lowest it's been since 1974. And that uh, is giving us the foundation to take our country forward. Oh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Airedale Hospital recently submitted its bid to be one of the government's new hospitals. And this is because the Airedale has an extremely high structural risk profile, with 83% of the building being constructed from aerated concrete. There are several wards that are closed due to structural risk, and the hospital is now over 20 years beyond its original life expectancy. So can the Prime Minister personally assure me that we will be able to deliver a new Airedale hospital which is fit for the future? Uh, well, Mr. Speaker, I, there's a lot of pressure on me to, get to, to, to dish out yet another hospital uh, from this dispatch box. Uh, but I, I, I can tell him that we, uh, we're reviewing all applications uh, in, for the next eight hospitals in our new hospital programme, uh, which is the biggest in a generation, Mr. Speaker. Only possible because we have a strong uh, economy, Mr. Yeah. Speaker. Uh, and uh, we'll make a fi- uh, his, uh, he's a doughty campaigner for his constituents. We'll make a final decision uh, later this year. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. On the 26th of February, a private charter flight to Moscow was allowed to take off from Inverness Airport, an apparent breach of a UK ban on flights of that nature, which had come into effect from midnight the day before. Now, air traffic control transcripts published this week in the Press and Journal newspaper have revealed that despite being informed of the intended flight, no attempt was made by the UK government or its agencies to prevent the plane from taking off. Will the Prime Minister commit to informing the House at the earliest opportunity who was travelling on that flight? Why, despite being informed in advance of the flight, was no attempt made by the UK government to keep the plane on the ground? And what will the Prime Minister personally do to try and prevent any similar breaches of sanctions from happening in the future? I, th- I thank him uh, very much. I'll make sure that the, uh, if so, as soon as we can get some, inf- I don't know the, the answer to his question, but as soon as we can get some information about that, Mr. Speaker, I'll make sure the House is properly informed. Andy Carter. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Yeah. Earlier this week, the planning inspectorate waved through a decision by Labour councillors to build a massive logistics hub in South Warrington. The plans are contrary to national policy, entirely in the Greenbelt, and have been approved despite more than a thousand letters of objection. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that listening to local communities and protecting our precious Greenbelt must be at the heart of planning policy? And will he meet with me to see how local residents can have their voices heard? Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, local residents could have no more powerful voice than uh, that of my, uh, my honourable friend. Uh, the, the House will have heard him loud and clear. Uh, I know the Ministry, uh, Department of Levelling Up, I will have heard him loud and clear. Uh, I will make sure that he gets uh, the relevant meeting. And the yeah, yeah. No bullying and no harassment, no leaking, no misuse of taxpayers' money, and no actual or perceived conflicts of interest. The precious principles of public life enshrined in this document must be honoured at all time. Those, Mr Speaker, are the Prime Minister's own words from the Ministerial Code. So can the Prime Minister tell me, on a scale of 1 to 10, 
How's he doing with keeping to those principles? I think 10 out of 10, Mr Speaker, because uh, what we, we, we believe, we believe uh, in this government uh, in adhering to uh, the principles of the ministerial code. And, uh, and by the way, a contrary, and I, and it's, it's an, important, an important point because, Mr Speaker, uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of attacks on, on MPs, on, on what goes on in this place, and I think it is always worth stressing that the vast majority of people who work in the, the House of Commons, uh, M- members of Parliament, are, are doing a very good job and working very hard and are not misbehaving. Idle question, Kevin Hollinray. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, Thurston Molson has welcomed asylum seekers from all parts of the world, including Syria and the Ukraine. But the Government's plans just announced from the 31st of May to the start of what will be up to 1,500 non-detained young single males from different parts of the world, asylum seekers, in a, on a base that will be the centre of a small rural village of 600 people, children, um, all the way through to elderly residents. That village without streetlights, without police presence, it will devastate the community. It will devastate house prices, which will plummet. And the, the residents of that village will not feel safe to leave their homes alone. Will my right honourable friend please, on behalf of the community, please stop these plans? Prime Minister. I, I, I thank him. I thank him very much, and uh, I can. I, I know that the uh, my right honourable friend, the Home Secretary, uh, is engaging with him uh, and with others locally about the use of the site. And I would. I, I hear loud and clear what he has had to say. Indeed, I'm. Uh, the, the recipient of many of his intercessions on this uh, on this matter, and I understand the strength of uh, the strength of feeling uh, in his uh, in his constituency, and uh, I am sure that there will be further uh, meetings between him and uh, and the Home Office about what we can do. That ends questions. We're going to let that out. We're going to let it clear while. We're...